Well, hey everyone, thanks for checking out this message from Journey Church. These resources are so awesome to have when you're out in nature like we are and you gotta go be outside on these nice days. However, we want you to know that there is nothing better than true fellowship with believers and live worship with your fellow Christians. So be sure to use this message only in conjunction with getting fed in a community of believers. Hey, we also want you to get connected with us, so be sure to text the word CONNECT to 307-271-9160 so that you can stay in the loop with everything happening at Journey Church and get notifications about upcoming events. Hey, we pray that this message encourages you and inspires you as you continue this life on your walk with Jesus. presence of God through through song. Um, I love that last song, Give Me Jesus. It's just been one of my favorite for uh, a few decades now, actually, since it came out. And uh, how appropriate when it talks about when I die, you know, give me Jesus. We have been looking at that as we've been talking about heaven and hell. We're going to get into that. Uh, even though I had said we're wrapping it up last week, I've got a little bonus session for you here today that we're going to get into. Before we get into that, though, and I, again, greatly appreciate the worship team and their leading of that. Uh, just a quick show of hands, just by way of honesty. How many of you sitting here have always been thinking this thought, I wish I could just be as awesome as Pastor Aaron? How many of you just that thought? Okay, we got a few honest people. Thank you. I've got good news and bad news for you today. The bad news is... I'm sorry, you can't quite be as awesome as I am. That's the bad news. The good news is you can't dress like me. I am wearing one of our new Journey hoodies today. It's a very lightweight, thin uh, hoodie. It's got a, because it's a hoodie, it has a hood on it, which for those of us who don't have hair, that really matters a lot to us. We have them now available at the Welcome Center. You can pick one of those up. Uh, I think that they're uh, $18 for these, which is a real bargain. Uh, you can pay $50 if you want to, though. Uh, you don't have to just pay $18. You could donate the rest, so we could do it that way. Uh, all of the other stuff that had been there, Brittany had told me, is all on sale because we're trying to get rid of the old stuff and be able to just continually order new stuff. So if you want to get one of those, please do so. All right, last week I had said we're wrapping up this series on heaven and hell. We spent two weeks talking about hell and two weeks talking about heaven. If you did not listen to those messages, I would encourage you to get online at journeychurch.com or if you would like to go to our YouTube channel, get online and listen to those messages because they're very important. We did not look at outside sources and outside books and experiences, near-death experiences that people have had. I don't know if you can believe a lot of the things that are written out there today. I don't care about any of that stuff. I want to know exactly what did Jesus say when it comes to heaven and hell. And that's exactly what we looked at for the four weeks. We looked at what Jesus said about heaven and hell. I wanted to do a little bit of a bonus session today or a little bit more as I prayed about it this week because I wanted to talk about making sure that you have assurances and confidence that you will be with God in eternity in heaven and then in the new Jerusalem, the new earth that God is going to establish. And I wanted 
you to have confidence in that. So we are going to look at that today. What does God require of us? What is it that's going to put ourselves in the right position that God has fully accepted us? There's really nothing we can do. It's something that God has to do through us. Um, First service, I thought, you know, it was a, I thought it was an okay message, first service, and, and sometimes I will walk away thinking that, oh yeah, that was, I, I think it was just okay, um, and it's amazing though what God does, because somebody was telling another friend here between services that the message that was shared, not my words, but God's words, it, it, this person said, I'm different from this point on. It just radically changed everything about my life, and so that's what I'm going to pray today that God doesn't speak, uh, that I don't speak to you, that God speaks to you and maybe uses me through that process. In Proverbs chapter 11, it says this, when the wicked dies, his hope perishes, and the hope of the strong vanishes. Who is the wicked? Who is the strong? It's who you would look to in this world, the influential. You may look in this world and say they're the powerful. They're the influencers in this world. They're the rich in this world. They have position and power and authority and wealth in this world. And God says they may have that, but as soon as they die, there is no more hope for them. There's Their hope, the hope of people that are strong, it just vanishes. Instead, the righteous... That, I hope, is you. The righteous is rescued from trouble. That trouble instead comes upon the wicked. So how can we be righteous so that we can have hope that when we die, we will be with God? We've talked about this physical death that happens. That is, that is really just something that happens to every person. Every person eventually dies. But we don't have to fear that because that's not the end. That is just the transition into the spiritual. It is the transition into life eternal that we can have hope. And we don't have to fear that happening. How does that happen, that we are made new? How can we have assurances and confidence that we will be with God forever? Well, Jesus tells us how. John chapter 5, verse 24. And I want you to note these words here this morning. He says, amen, amen, I tell you, whoever hears my word and trusts the one who sent me has eternal life. You can have confidence because here's what he says, whoever hears my word and trusts the one who sent me, this is the one who has eternal life. You hear the word of God, you put your faith in him, and it equals eternal life. How can I be made right with God? How can I know that I'm gonna be with him for eternity? Well, I have heard him and I have put my trust in him. And when I do that, he does something incredible in my life. I get eternal life. It's not about jumping through hoops and it's not about trying to earn your way to God because you never can. You can't be good enough. You can't do enough. You can't be right enough. You can't perform well enough. You can't be baptized enough, go to church enough, give enough, sing enough in order for God to accept you. It is him in us. All he asks of us is this, hear my word and put your trust in me. The one who does that does not come into judgment, but has passed over from death into life. These are the words of Jesus. This is how you can have assurance and confidence. If you have heard his word, 
and you've put your trust in him. What is his word? It is what he has said, that whoever believes in me will have life. You hear his word, and you make that decision that I will trust in you, you will have life. And you've passed over from death into life. The work that God does is what we find in the book of Ezekiel chapter 36. This is the work that God does in each one of us. He says this, and I, that's God, I will give you a new heart. Note the words, I will give you. Not you will give you, I will give you. And a new spirit I will put within you. So it's the work that God does. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. So what happens in life? It's when you come to Jesus, when you say, give me Jesus, and you come to him in faith and trust, then he does incredible. He gives you a heart transplant. It's like God is a heart surgeon. And he says, I'm going to give you a brand new heart. I'm going to put a new spirit within you. I'm going to remove the old stuff, and I'm going to put something new in you. You are a brand new creation. God has made you new. You're no longer who you were. When you make that decision, who you were is past tense, and who you are is the future. That's who you will be. David says this incredible prayer in Psalm 51 when he says these words, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. That's what I need. I need a clean heart. I need God to have made me new. He gives it to me, not what I have done. I was talking to somebody earlier uh, in the week, and they had told me, and I, we were talking about salvation, <clears throat> talking about, well, how do I get saved? And the, person, the person's thought was this, well, I have been baptized, therefore I am now saved. Now, I want you just to think about that mentality, I have, therefore I am. That's not truth. If you could earn your way to God, then you wouldn't need God. You could do it on your own. We can't do it. We're not good enough. Getting baptized does not save you. That is a great thing to do. I would encourage everyone to be baptized if you haven't, but that does not save you. What saves you is this. God says, I will transform your heart. I will give you a new heart. I will change your heart. I will do a heart transplant in your life. And when that happens, you can look forward to a future with me. And so I'm going to encourage you today to pray the prayer of David, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Let's pray and let's get into this message today. Father God, we want to hear from you. We want to understand you. I want to pray, Lord, today that every one of us individually would pray, create in me a clean heart, oh God. Make me new. I don't want to be who I've been. I don't want to be who I was. I want to be brand new by your power. Lord, thank you that it's not about our own efforts. We can't do good enough. It's about you and what you have done on our behalf. You're asking us to see the word, to hear the word, to trust in you. And in so doing, we will have eternal life. And I pray, Lord, if there's any in this room that have not made that decision, that they would make it today. And they would say, I trust in you. I see you. I hear you. 
and I want to be made new by you. Father, for the rest of this time, speak through me, speak to us through your word, and help us to walk away from here forever changed. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. What I want to look at this morning is the parable that Jesus told called the parable of the sower. You've probably all heard this parable before, that there is a guy walking through, uh, through, the, uh, you know, through the fields, and he is scattering seed everywhere he goes. The seed is a representation of the word of God. He is scattering seed everywhere he goes, and it falls on different types of soil. Those different types of soil are a picture of people's hearts. And as he is scattering seed and it's distributed everywhere, some of it is falling on good soil, which is what God would call this is heaven-bound soil, and some of it falls on bad soil, which is hell-bound. Jesus tells this parable, and in the parable, we get a picture of seeing what a brand new heart looks like. Again, he says, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit within you. I'll remove the old. I'll put in the new. God's promised that he would do that. We pray, create in me a clean heart. So what does a brand new heart actually look like? Well, Let's read this parable and let's look at six things that God says of what a brand new heart will actually look like. How do I know if my heart's been changed? Well, these six things start popping up into my life and I can tell that I have really been changed by him. You don't, again, have to earn your way to God. God gives you his amazing grace. He creates the clean heart within us. We can't do it ourselves. We don't have the power to clean ourselves up. God does that. Let's look at the parable Jesus told. Out of Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 9, we're going to look at this, this picture, and we're going to get, again, six things that God is going to show us of what a new heart is going to begin to look like. Here's what it says. And again, Jesus or Yeshua. Yeshua is the Hebrew name for Jesus. That's, that's actually his real name. We have translated that to Jesus. Yeshua began to teach by the sea. And there was a la large crowd uh, around him. So because this large crowd was around him, they were pushing in on him. He got into a boat and he was out on the sea so that he could actually get away from the people and actually teach the people. He sat down in the boat. And the crowd was on the edge of the sea by the land. Jesus began teaching them many things by parables. A parable's a story. It's an illustration. And in his teaching, one of the parables he said to them was this parable of the sower. He said these words, Listen, behold, a sower went out to spread some seed. It happened that as he sowed, some fell beside the road. And the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up immediately because the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns. And the thorns grew and choked it out. And it yielded no crop. And other seed fell into the good soil, the receptive soil, and the result of that soil, that seed started to produce fruit. And it sprung up and it increased. 
They yielded a crop producing 30, 60, and 100 fold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So Jesus is going to give us the pictures of a, a hell-bound heart versus a heaven-bound heart. But I want to show you from all of those things, just the six things that happen in a brand new heart. If you've come to Jesus and you've said, please create in me a new heart, here are the results that happen in a brand new heart for God. So let's jump into this. Number one, the new heart is a tender heart. The new heart is a tender heart. It's not a hard heart. It's not a trampled heart. It's not a, uh, it's not a rebellious heart. It is not an anti-God heart. It is a tender heart. Another way to say that is a heart that has been changed by God becomes a sensitive heart. It is a sensitive heart. Now, I know sometimes being sensitive can be a negative thing. I don't know, guys, if any of you are like me. I'm not much of a crier, uh, and so I've been accused of not being sensitive because I'm not emotional. We have other people that are very emotional, and they can cry uh, at an instant, and you think of that with sensitivity. But that's not really what I think of when I think of sensitivity. Let me give you an illustration of what a sensitive heart is. How many of you are old enough to remember... When a television set was not a flat screen mounted to a wall, but it was a big box, weighed a ton, and you couldn't get signal very well. How many remember that, that time? How many of you have no idea what I'm talking about? What does that mean? I don't understand that. A TV set, back, let me take you back a few years, back in the day when we didn't have the luxuries that you have today, back when the only toys we had were sticks and rocks, that's all we had to play with. You've got it made. We had no such thing as Wi-Fi and iPads and, and phones, we didn't have that. The television set was this gigantic box and it just weighed an enormous amount of money. In fact, if a friend of you ever, uh, yours ever called you and asked you to help them move, you were hoping they didn't have a TV set because they were the worst. Next to the, the uh, hide-up beds in the couches, those things were absolutely the worst. The television set, you could not get a channel sometimes very easily. Back in the day, uh, we didn't have internet. We didn't have the Wi-Fi signal streaming to the TV, streaming instant Netflix. We didn't have anything like that. Um, back in the day, we didn't have a cable in the back of the TV to get channels. We had these things on the top of the TV that we refer to as rabbit ears. They were long antennas that would be on the back of the TV. Back in that day, the channels were streamed, or they were, they were broadcast through a, a signal that would just travel through the air. And your goal was to get this signal to your TV set through these antennas, those rabbit ear antennas. In that day, how you would get a channel is you would turn it on, you would turn it to the right channel. By the way, we didn't have remote controls. In my house, I was the remote control. My parents would say, we didn't want to change the channel, Aaron, go change the channel. I'd have to get up and change it, and then I'd come and I'd go do it again. Some of you experienced that as well. You had these antennas, though, you were trying to get tuned in to the right channel. And so what would you do? Well, the first trick was you would get a ball of aluminum foil and you would put that on the end of the antennas and somehow that would help you increase the signal. 
Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't work. So you would put those on, you'd turn to channel five, and it wouldn't come in. It'd be all fuzzy and it would be messed up. So they would say, okay, we're gonna watch it. You go adjust the antenna. You go over to the antenna, you would, you would move one of them that way, you'd move one of them this way, and they'd say, no, no, move it back, and so you'd move it back, oh, move it a different way, you'd move it over here, move it here, and then you, they, they'd say, perfect, stop, hold it right there. And then you'd let go, and then they'd lose the signal again. So you'd have to grab it again, and then they would say, okay, try just letting go with one hand. So you'd let go with one hand. Oh, wait, uh, you gotta hold your hand up in the air for the signal to come in. So you'd hold your hand up like this in order to get the signal. They said, no, move it over. So you'd move your hand over like this. They said, well, try moving your leg. So you'd move your leg over like this. And then they would finally say, good, it's perfect, don't move. And you'd have to stand there the whole time so that they could watch the channel. You remember those days, guys? A sensitive heart is tuned in to the broadcast of God. A heart that is tender for God is tuned in with what he is broadcasting. I have locked in the signal and I am receiving what God has. That's what a tender heart is. You've become sensitive to who God is. In that parable, Jesus says this, listen, Behold, a sower went out to spread some seed. And as it happened, that as he sowed, some of the seed fell, he no, you, you notice these words, he says, it fell beside the road. Now, literally, what this is, is a hardened, a hard path. This is a road that is traveled constantly. People, animals, carts, whatever it is, they go back and forth on this all the time. And therefore, it has become hardened. A hardened path, nothing can penetrate. Nothing can sink down in. And so what happens to a heart that is hard is that the word of God doesn't ever get in there. And so when God gives me a new heart, I notice that my heart goes from being hard to being sensitive. Instead of not even noticing things, I start noticing things. Instead of not caring about things, I start caring about things. I, I have dogs, many of you do, and the dogs are both a blessing and a curse in my life. Um, we have two dogs now, we had three, one of them died about a year ago, but the dogs, again, a blessing and a curse. In the front yard, we have a beautiful front yard, the dogs never get there. They never get to see it, they don't even know it exists. It's just a beautiful yard. Our backyard, however, is completely ruined. It is completely ruined um, by these dogs. And because they have ruined that backyard, nothing grows but weeds in the backyard. The weeds are a result of them just running constantly. Now these dogs, they have a specific set of paths that they run all the time. They don't, I don't know why, they don't just change their path, but it's the same over and over and over again. Because of that, it has become hardened. Now last year, I tried to take a bunch of grass seed and just throw it down, but you know what happened? The birds just came and ate it because nothing could penetrate and grow down. And what he is saying is this, is that our hearts, sometimes our hearts are just like that. Our hearts are just like that path. They're hardened. <laughs> okay, just don't pay any attention to what I'm doing here. All right, 
I lost connection with my iPad, but there we go. We're back online, right? Yes, we're good. There we go. Okay. I have to, yeah, hold your hand like this, and then you'll get, you'll get, yes, thank you for that. Okay, number one, a new heart is a tender heart. Number two, the new heart is a clean heart. What do I mean by this, a clean heart? Well, Jesus presents the idea that a heart is rocky, and because it's rocky, it is therefore not clean. So here's what he says. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil. So what would happen would be that there would be a place where there would be just a small little amount of soil, and beneath the soil, it was just solid rock. That solid rock would cause that root from growing down. Now, that would be the rocky. Not only is it rocky underneath, but there are rocks in the midst of it. In the same way, a heart that is new is allowing God to remove the rocks out of our hearts. What are the rocks that are in our hearts? Well, every act of sin can become a rock in our heart. Every amount of bitterness that we carry, every amount of resentment that we hold on to, every bit of anger that we have becomes rocks in our hearts. And in order to move forward, God has to remove those rocks from us. So what does he do in a new heart? He looks at you and I and he says, there are some rocks, there are some boulders that are there in your heart that we need to remove in order for you to be who I want you to be. What kind of rocks? And boulders do you have in your life that have really been weighing you down? What kind of things have really affected you? Things that maybe, you've, you, maybe you came to the Lord and you said to him, I want a relationship with you. I, want, I don't want to go to hell. I will hear you. I will trust you. I see you. I want a relationship with you. And so Jesus comes into your life. And then you say to him, but... I don't want to change this. I don't want to give this up. I don't want to fix this way of thinking. I don't want to work on this area of my life. I want it to stay as it is. If you are doing that, you're holding on to rocks and boulders in your life. And in order to be set free, in order to truly be new, God is going to clean and remove those things out of your life. Our job is to agree with him and help in that process coming to him often saying, God, fix me, make me new, change who I, am, who I am from the inside out. So a new heart is a tender heart. A new heart becomes a clean heart. A new heart also is a deeply rooted heart. Not shallow, but deeply rooted. For trees or plants that have shallow rooting, as soon as it gets dry, as soon as it gets hot, they just wither and die. It, 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 you need to have roots that run deep in order for those plants to be able to survive the heat and the sun. When there's a lack of water, there's heavy sun, we're getting scorched here, we have to have roots that run deep in order to survive. A new heart is a deeply rooted heart. Jesus in this parable says some of the seed fell on, on the rocky ground. This rocky ground didn't have much soil. It did spring up immediately because the soil wasn't deep. And when the sun came out, notice it was scorched because it had no root. It withered away. 
Do you know that a new heart for God is able to keep going and persevere, that does not wither and dry up when the heat happens? The heat is going to happen. You're going to have heat in your marriage. You're going to have heat in your children. You're going to have heat in your career. You're going to have heat in extended family members. You're going to have the heat of the world heating up. And if you want to survive, if you want to keep persevering through, it takes roots that run deep. Are your roots deep? How do I get deep roots? Well, you have to desire to grow. You have to desire to read God's word and grow in God's word. There has to be active prayer in your life. There has to be studying. There has to be worshiping. There has to be fellowshipping and small groups and different activities. We need to be around each other in order to really have the strength to survive. We have to do these things to cause our roots to grow deep. And if you're not reading, if you're not Growing, if you're not studying, if you're not praying, if you're not coming to a church, then your roots are not growing deep. Journey Church is not the end-all, be-all of churches. There's a lot of phenomenal churches. You need to be a part of one of them. One of the bad things that has happened during the pandemic is that we have put a lot of time and effort and funds into a streaming service. We have a live stream of our services, I think, that is phenomenal. And that's really thanks to Pastor Stephen and all the work that he has done with it. He's almost done too good of a job because it's become now the excuse of why people think, well, I can just stay home. And in fact, we have people that you don't see for months at a time. And they'll say, but we're attending because we're watching. But they're not really a part of it because it's just easy to stay home. For your roots to grow deep, you need to be around other people. And you need to grow, and you need to read and study and fellowship and worship together because that's part of what helps us to grow a deeply rooted heart. So a new heart is tender. A new heart is clean. A new heart is deeply rooted. What else? A new heart is a satisfied heart. When I say the word satisfied, I mean a heart that is, um, that is content. It's a content heart, a satisfied heart. Again, the parable that Jesus just read through all of this, this rocky ground, not much soil, sprang up immediately, soil wasn't deep, the sun came out, it was, it was scorched, it had no root, it withered away. We just looked at that, but I want to key in on this word scorched. A heart that is satisfied is a heart whose thirst has been quenched. You follow what I mean? A heart that is satisfied has, has a thirst that has been quenched. Every person born has a thirsty heart. You didn't realize this. I know this, is, this uh, may not be common knowledge, but you have a thirsty heart. What does it mean that you have a thirsty heart? It means that I am looking everywhere for something or someone to quench my thirst. So what happens is this. I feel deeply in need of having a relationship, and so I look everywhere in order to find a relationship to make me feel like my thirst has been quenched. It's amazing to me how many people I talk to that are in dating relationships that will break up with a boyfriend or girlfriend, and immediately they're jumping into a new relationship because they can't be alone. And that just tells me that it's because their heart is thirsty, and they're not looking to the one who can quench their thirst. They're thinking, well, if I find the right guy or the right girl, that'll make, mean everything to me. 
I've got a lot of friends, I should say a lot of friends, I have friends who have gone through a divorce. And while that's painful and I feel for them and my heart hurts for them, I'm amazed at how many of them will get out of one relationship and immediately they are in a brand new relationship. Even with all the pain that they just went through, they're in a brand new relationship. And what that tells me is it's because your heart is really thirsty and you're not looking to the one who can quench the thirst. I tell people, this is just free advice for you, but I tell people often in like those situations, I tell them, don't, don't date again. Don't start dating again. In fact, you're not ready to date until you don't need to date. When you have finally come to the point that you don't need to date, now you're ready. Because you have to come to the point where you're fully content and fully satisfied before you're ready to be in a relationship. And teenagers among us that are in dating times of life or 20-somethings or whatever, just heed that advice. You shouldn't be dating until you feel like, I don't really need to date. I'm at a point in my life that I feel very content. And if God brings the right person, then that's wonderful. And if not, I'm okay because I'm very content because my thirst has been quenched. God wants to quench our thirst. But if your thirst is not quenched, you'll look for relationships, material things, new homes, new careers, new, new, uh, new material blessings, new money. You'll look for everything in order to quench the thirst of your heart. So a new heart is satisfied. I want to point out to you five nevers that Jesus gives in the book of John just by way of encouragement for you today. Look at what he says. But whoever drinks of the water, and this is the woman at the well that Jesus is meeting with, whoever drinks the water that I shall give him will never thirst. So if you drink of the water Jesus provides, you'll be, you'll be satisfied. He is the ultimate contentment for you. The water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up in everlasting life. John 6, and Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger. He who believes in me will never thirst. What does that mean? It means you've come to the point where you're fully satisfied and content. John 8, 51. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word... He shall never see death. How do you know you can have encouragement and confidence when you think of, of dying? If you've kept his word, you don't have to worry about it. You'll be with him in eternity. What is his word? Believe in me. Believe in the one who sent me. Put your trust in me. John chapter 10. And I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. You can have certainty and assurance that you will be with God in eternity. John chapter 11, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? So all of these nevers are things that Jesus wants to assure you with. You'll never thirst. You'll never hunger. You'll never perish. You'll never die. And who is that for? It's for the one who God has given them a new heart and made them brand new. So a new heart is tender, clean, deeply rooted, satisfied. Also, a new heart is a surrendered heart. What is a surrendered heart? It is a heart that doesn't want anything else 
to get in the way of God or to choke out the life of God within them. In the parable, Jesus says, other seed, not just on the rocky, but other seed fell among the thorns and the thorns grew and choked it out and it yielded no crop. Are there things in your life that choke out God? You know, we live in a world that is full of noise and hurry and crowds and confusion, and those things have a tendency to choke out God. Other people have a tendency to choke out God in my life. Things have a tendency to choke out God in my life. What are the things in your life that are choking out God from your life? That have like taken my attention away from who God is. That's a, that's a heart that has been made new. A heart that has been made new comes to God and says, I surrender all to you. I don't want these things choking out you in my life. Number six, the final one. The new heart is tender, it's clean, it's deeply rooted, it's satisfied, it's surrendered. A new heart is also fruit bearing. You will know the kind of fruit that a tree is or the kind of tree uh, that it is based upon the fruit that grows on the limbs of that tree. If you walk up to a tree and you see that it is producing pears, you can make the assumption that this is a pear tree. It's not an apple tree, it's not a peach tree, it's a pear tree. If you walk up to a tree and it's growing cherries, you can assume this is a cherry tree. You make the assumption of what the tree is based upon the fruit that is growing off of the limbs of the tree. For a person who has a new heart, good soil, you begin to produce fruit in your life. Jesus says this this way in the conclusion of the parable. He said, others. What is the others? That is the seed. Other seeds, seed, seeds, fell not on the hard path, the hard-hearted, the ones who completely reject God. It didn't fall on the, the rocky and shallow. It, it, it did not fall in the thorny that will choke it out. It fell into the good soil. What is a good soil? It's the people who are ready to receive, who want to receive, who say, yes, God, I want you. I desperately want you in my life. That's the good soil. It's a receptive soil. It's a receptive heart. The seed that fell into the good soil started to produce fruit. The fruit, the, the crop started to spring up and it increased. So it comes up, comes to life, and it increases. This good seed in the good soil, in the good heart, produces a crop. It produces 30, 60, and 100-fold. Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Notice these numbers. He says, some produced 30, some produced 60, some produced 100. What was Jesus saying by this? He was saying that hearts will begin to produce. He did not shame the person who was only yielding a crop of 30 and comparing that one to the one that was bearing a crop of 100. He did not do that. He just said a fact. Your heart will bear fruit. 
Some of them, it will be 30. Some it will be 60. Some will be 100. You don't have to compare yourself to anybody else because what they do does not matter. What you do is you produce what God has called you to produce for his sake. Don't ever compare yourself to what somebody else does. I know we all have the tendency to do that. We know in our lives, superstar Christians that are amazingly on fire for God, doing incredible things for God, and then we beat ourselves up because we're not doing that. Or Satan comes in and whispers lies and says, see how pathetic you are? You, look at that person. They're producing 100. You're only producing 30. What's wrong with you? You don't love God enough. No, Jesus didn't do any of that. He just said a fact. Some will bear 30. Some will bear 60. Some will bear 100. Don't compare yourself to anybody else. Just do what God has called you to do. That's what a new heart looks like. It is somebody who is bearing fruit for him, not, you don't have to be on the level of Billy Graham. You just do what God has called you to do and minister to the people that are in front of you. A new heart is tender to God, sensitive. A new heart wants to be clean. I want the rocks out of my life. I'm sick of that stuff, that garbage. It's got to get out of my life. A new heart has deep roots to weather the storms and weather the heat and weather the drought. A new heart is satisfied and it has stopped searching everywhere else around me because they've found satisfaction in God. A new heart wants to be surrendered. God, I don't want anything growing up that would cause me to move away from you. God, I surrender all my heart to you. A new heart starts producing fruit, whether it's 30 or 60 or a hundred, it does not matter. A new heart just starts bearing fruit for God. So the question of today is this, are you bearing fruit? Are you tender-hearted? Are you surrendered to him? Are you uh, cleaned by him? Are you one who longs for God? How can I know I have eternal life? Well, it's not based upon anything I do. It's not any work that I do. It's simply this, Jesus come into my life, I surrender who I am to you. Give me Jesus. That's what I want, and that's what I need. Jesus, please come into my life and forgive me. And when I do that, he does a heart transplantation in my life. A transplant happens where my heart has been made brand new. Have you had that experience? Because when you do that, you can have assurances and confidence that I will be with God in eternity. I don't have to worry I don't have to fear, I don't have to doubt, I don't have to stress about it. I am his, he is mine, and I will go be with him someday. And when we do those funerals for those who have accepted Christ like that, it's not a time of sorrow, it's not a time of fear, it is a time of rejoicing because they are fulfilling and realizing the promises God has made. If you've never made that decision, make that decision today. Make sure that your heart is in alignment with who God is. Let's pray as we close. Father, I pray that our hearts would be made new. You have promised that you would give us a new heart, that you would give us a new spirit, that you would remove the heart of stone, the hard-heartedness that was there, and you would give us a heart of flesh. We can cry out to you the same thing that David cried out 
Give me a clean heart. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Lord, if there are some in here who have never accepted you and they're ready to say, God, give me a clean heart, I want this to be the moment, the time, and the place where they say yes to you. Where they say to you, Jesus, I know I have been far away. I know I've never had a relationship with you, but I'm ready to be different. I'm ready to be made new. I'm ready for you to clean my heart. If that is the case, Lord, I pray that you would give them assurances and to know that they are yours and they can look forward to eternity. I want to pray specifically also today for those, Lord, that have felt like they've wandered away. At one point, they feel like they had a close relationship with you. They knew you. They were walking with you, but they've let the worries of the world, they've let the boulders in their hearts, they've let the hardness choke out what you have been doing. And they're ready. They're ready to say, I'm ready to come back. Some of them maybe feel ashamed. Maybe they feel like, I can't. I can't do that. You know, God already forgave me once. He won't forgive me again. Lord, I pray that they would understand that you are a gracious and kind and loving God, a father who cares about his children, that as they come back to you in repentance, that you will greatly and gladly accept them back right now. Lord, whatever work you want to do through this message, through this time, do that work in our hearts. And for all that you do, we will be grateful and thank you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for checking out that message from Journey Church. We pray that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to this ministry, be sure to head over to journeychurchgillette.com and hit the give icon in the bottom right hand corner. Your generous contributions allow us to continue making content like this week after week. So thank you for your generosity so that we can keep spreading the message of Jesus Christ all over the internet. Hey, God bless you guys and thanks for listening to this message.